Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. And the title of this message is what to do when you don't know what to do. So we're going to give you some instruction on what to do when you don't know what to do. And uh, we'll begin uh, with prayer, and then we'll take a minute to look at Habakkuk chapter 2 is where we'll look at this evening. Let's pray together. Lord, please help me as I preach. Please help these that are listening as they hear. Please apply your word to your people's hearts. There are some who are not believers in Jesus. Would you convict them, convert them to be believers, to help them to understand and see the light of Christ? And Lord, help me as the preacher to get out of the way, to hide me behind the cross, to crucify my flesh. Whatever you've got to do to make sure that I am only speaking what you need, what you need these people to hear. And I pray this in Jesus' name. In Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk has got some problems, some real problems. In chapter 1, he's crying out to God. He says, Lord, there's, there's a lot of problems in this world. He says he sees evil being running rampant. He sees that good people are getting hurt. He just thinks that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And he does what I think a good prophet should do. He looks to God to fix it. That's what, he, that's what the first few verses of chapter 1 really are about. And God responds to Habakkuk in chapter 1, the, the next few verses, about chapter, five, chapter 1, verse 5, down to about verse 11. But the interesting thing about God's response, and sometimes God will do this to you. I want you to be prepared for this. If, if you're agreeing all the time and are exactly just giddy happy with everything the Lord says, you're probably not paying attention. Because sometimes God's going to say some things, often he will say some things that are going to hurt your feelings. He's going to say some things that are going to upset your apple cart. But I can guarantee you, even though it will hurt your feelings and upset your apple cart, if God said it, you better get on board and figure out how to believe it. But here's what I want you to see is what that Habakkuk, or rather God responds to Habakkuk, and the response is a troubling response. It actually almost confuses him more because the message was, in essence, you know all that evil you're seeing, Habakkuk? It's just going to keep on going for a little while. It's going to prevail for a little while. And the, the net result of that is Habakkuk is confused. He's scared. He's not sure what to do about all this. He's kind of stuck. He's done what he knew to do. What did he know to do? Call out to God. But the answer he gets back from God is not a pleasant answer. So he doesn't know what to do. And I, I want to kind of bring this to where I am. And, I, and I, I'm hesitant to even go here, but I think my mind's here enough and I imagine yours is too enough that we can agree with this, that we've been praying for God to fix this problem that we're all enduring right now. We have been praying. I know on Sunday that's what at least I tried to dedicate as much of Sunday to was 
crying out to God. And we'll do the same thing again on this coming Sunday. And it's, we're going to look at God's word and we're going to cry out to God on that. And we want to see him fix this. We believe he can. But I'll just be honest, God's not seen fit to do that yet. He just hasn't. I think the numbers of deaths, number of deaths are climbing. Again, it's not as dramatic as it could have been. Thank the Lord for that, but it's still not nothing. I believe I am pro-life. And that is before the baby is born, but also with all life, no matter how old or young the person is, I'm pro-life. And to know that now I think the number is something like 45,000 people have lost their lives. So this is terrible. But he's been, we've been praying to God to change it, and God has not seen fit to do so. So our frustration is growing. I don't think we know exactly what to do. And I'm telling you, as I've told you before, I don't know what to do. But we're going to look at Habakkuk here in chapter 2 and see what he did when he didn't know what to do. The first thing is he goes in verse 1 of chapter 2. I want you to see that. He says, this is what he said, after he's heard everything from God, he's complained to God about even the answer that God gave him. He says in verse, two, verse 1 of chapter 2, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He's upset about the world around him. He's upset by the, even the answer he's hearing from God. He wants this thing fixed. And you know one of the things that's notable that what he's not doing here, he's not crying out to the king. By the way, the king at this time is a man named Josiah. He's one of the good kings. He's actually one of the good kings. He's probably, hap- he's probably in- enjoying, in a sense, Habakkuk is a time of spiritual and economic renewal and revival in some ways. So you would think that he might call out to the king. Hey, king, can you fix some of these problems? That's not who he's calling out to. He's standing here. He says, I'm, gonna, I'm still frustrated. I'm still upset. I'm not going to try to go to the king. I'm going to go to the king of kings, my God, and I'm going to, he says there, stand upon my watch, set me upon my tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me. He is going to listen, first of all, for God's word. What is God going to say to me? That's what he says. I'm going to wait for what God's going to say. Now, God has not been, he's not really been happy with what God has to say so far, but he says, I know that whatever God's going to say to me, that's the answer I need to hear, so I'm going to wait for that. He's waiting on him, and he's waiting, as he says there, he's going to stand upon his watch, set me upon the tower. This is the idea that he is going to stay up, he's going to be quiet, He's going to be separated from the rest of the world, and he is just going to be standing there ready. The, the image that we should have here is, is a man who probably got up pretty early in the morning. He's probably standing out on the, as the watch, if you will, kind of like the watchtower where he's standing out there, and he's sort of on, 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 the, on the edge of the, of the city watching over there, and he's standing there as probably the sun's coming up. I think that's the image that we should have in mind. And he knows who his God is. He's described him in chapter 1. If you were looking at your Bible, you can see there in verse 12 where he says to God, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my holy one? He says, I know that you're eternal, God. You're outside of time and space. He says there that I know that thou hast ordained them for judgment, speaking of evil people. But the emphasis here I want you to see is that he knows that God is ordained. He knows that God is not only uh, uh, eternal um, outside of time and space, he is sovereign. He is sovereign over time and space. 
And he goes on to say there in verse 13, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. He says, I know, God, that you are pure. Whatever you do is right. So he knows who God is. He knows what his God is about. So what does he do? Go back to verse 1. He says, I'm going to stand upon my watch. I'm going to set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me. He does say here what he will say unto me. He is not sitting there saying, well, I wonder if God's going to answer. The fact is, God will give us his word. I, I want to tell y'all, as you're listening to me, as you're praying out to God, and you say, why isn't God answering my prayer? I will tell you that God is going to answer your prayer. God is answering your prayer. You may not always like the answer. That's what, sometimes we get that confused, that we don't like his answer, so therefore we must not have answered my prayer. No, 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 you misunderstood. He's answering your prayer. Furthermore, he is not silent. He is speaking. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God, in sundry time, in diverse manners, he has spoken to us through the prophets. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Ultimately, I want you to understand that God has spoken his peace. He's spoken more than you or I will ever even comprehend, first, by the person of Jesus Christ, but second, by his holy word. You've got God's word on this thing. You've got 66 books of revelation of God's mind. This is what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 2, I believe it is, where he says that, that we know the mind of God. How do we know it? Through the Spirit. Has the Spirit done? What has he done? He's given us the Word of God. We have God's Word here. So here's Habakkuk saying, I know God's going to talk to me. I know God's going to give me his Word, so I'm expectant. And I want to encourage you tonight to be expectant. As you're praying to God, be expectant for an answer. Be expectant for the word from him. And it might be, uh, hold on a little longer. It might be, this is going to get worse before it gets better. It might be what you don't want to hear. But he's going to give you an answer. I want to promise you that. He's going to give you an answer. But I also want you to notice in verse 1, not only that he's going to say, I'm going to wait to see what he will say, not if he's going to say, but what he will say unto me, but he says, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He's expectant, but he's also humble. Because he's expecting, yes, God's going to give an answer. But he says here, I, I'm, I could be wrong. I might need to be corrected. And I'm going to be prepared for whatever God is telling me. Maybe I've got my facts wrong. Maybe my attitude's wrong. I don't know what he might have seen that he might have had wrong. But he says, when I'm going to answer, because I know God's going to give me something, and I'm going to have to respond to that, and I'm going to see what I'm going to be prepared to, to, to be reproved on. So he's calling, and he's waiting on God. He's listening for God's word, and he's doing so expectantly and humbly. humbly. I, I want you to know that God has the answer for whatever it is that's, that's plaguing you, whatever that you're calling out for that you need help with. He's got the answer. Some of y'all are wondering, is now, is now, is this the, the beginning of the end times? Is this the end times? Is that what we're in? I'll have to tell you, if you're asking me, I sure don't know. But God knows when the end will come. And he will tell you when he's ready to let you know. But you can call out to him and ask him that question. Lord, is now the end? If that's something you're worried about or excited about, however your feelings are about it, you need to ask him about that. Uh, maybe you're saying, there, well, what's, how are we going to get this whole wickedness in society fixed? How are we going to get this culture fixed? Cry out to God about that thing. 
He's got the answer for it. Listen for his word. How are your needs going to be met? Maybe you need a job. Maybe you've got bills that are coming due. Whatever those, those needs are, maybe it's, maybe it's a health need that you have. How are you going to get that met? Well, I want, to know, I want you to know that God has the answer to how that's going to be met. And you need to cry out to him. But see, the problem isn't that God doesn't have the answer or that he won't give us an answer. That is not the problem. Not at all. The problem is... Can we just be honest about what the real problem is? We're not listening for his voice on the matter. We're running around like chickens with our heads cut off saying, what's going to happen? What's going on? And occasionally you might even say, Lord, what are you doing? But we're not listening for the answer. We're literally just asking the question and seeking every place that's possible for a hope for that and we're not listening to god's voice on the matter we need to do like habakkuk and sit there and say i'm just gonna wait on you god i'm gonna look for your voice where i know it is and by the way habakkuk was hearing god's voice you and i hear god's voice by reading his word you've got god's word if you've got a copy of the bible you've got god's word you need to open that book spend some time in that book and ask god the question what are you doing look in the book he'll give you the answer he will answer your your cry now he goes on to give an answer here. God does answer in verse 2. And in fact, uh, God is actually revealing a, a large plan, sort of a big picture plan to Habakkuk. He's saying in chapter 1, Israel's going to lose. Right now, y'all are doing pretty good, but you're going to lose. You're going to have, you're going to take, they're going to be in, going to captivity. And he says later on in chapter 2, he says, now those people that are going to take Israel captive, they're going to pay they're going, they're, going to, they're, going to, they're going to sin against my people, and I'm going, to, I'm going to judge them for that. And ultimately, in chapter 3, you'll see that he's saying there's going to be a Messiah who will reign. There is a Messiah who is going to reign. And that, 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 that full picture of the Messiah who is King of kings and Lord of lords ultimately will be, will, will be fulfilled what we know even now is still future revelation chapter 19 when jesus comes the king of kings lord of lords so so habakkuk is kind of getting a a small glimpse of a big picture that's going on here but see the problem is what habakkuk wants is what i want it's what you want we don't want to wait what our what essentially would be for habakkuk about three thousand you know, 2500 years we don't want to wait thousands of years we don't want to wait most of us don't even want to wait five minutes most of us don't want to wait a week here's Habakkuk literally waiting thousands of years for the answer to his problem we don't want to wait on that but here's what the Lord says to him in verse 2 see what he says he answers me and said write the vision make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it now uh, <laughs> This, this, this little last line, I want to try to help you understand what he's saying there. He didn't run that readeth. It's a real simple idea. Uh, me and Eli do some running sometimes together. Most of the time he's running without me because I'm fat and slow. But occasionally he'll slow down and we'll run together. And we were talking the other day, and uh, I don't remember what we were. We were talking about something, and we were trying to do some math in our heads while we were running. And I'm not the most mathematical whiz to begin with. But whenever my oxygen is being cut off to my brain and I'm trying to keep up with somebody who is just who's running like crazy, I couldn't add two and two together. The point is that so when you're running and when you're moving fast like that, you're not able to really get some details. You understand what I'm getting at? And here's what he's saying here. I want you to write this down so big 
so simple, so plain, that somebody who's running down the road can read it. Somebody who's running down the street, they can see it and understand it. That's what he's saying there. In essence, he's saying, I know you, Habakkuk, want this fixed right now, but I want you to know this. You can write this down. You can bank on it. It's going to happen how I say and when I say. It's going to happen. And I want you to write this down as big as plain, but I want you to know it's going to happen. Now, here's the problem. Like I said, we don't love that kind of timing. What we want is we want this thing right now. But my job is not to get what I want right now. My job is to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Now, it's simple, right? When I say it, it's easy to say. But when you're having to do that, you're in the middle of your mess and you want out of it now. It hurts, the pain is there, the frustration is there, the suffering is there. What you want is what Habakkuk wants. I want the answer now. But Jesus is telling us, hang on, you write it big and plain. You can stamp it on your forehead. You can take it to the bank. What I say is going to happen is going to happen when I say it's going to happen and how I say it's going to happen. My job is to trust and obey. Wait for his fulfilled promises. This Bible is full of promises, full of them. And every one of them is going to come to pass. Now, now I, I want to acknowledge that sort of elephant in the room with this. Some of these promises we may not see and fulfill or see fulfilled until we get to heaven. Some of these promises may not be fulfilled in our lifetime. Some of these promises, honestly, there's some of these promises that you and I may have to labor our entire lives and Lord willing, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will reap the benefits of them, and they'll see those fulfilled promises. Some of us may work our entire lives on this earth and suffer and not enjoy the fulfilled promises until we're on the other side. But the point is, we can take it to the bank. If God said it, it's going to happen. What I want to encourage you all to, to think about is, please don't despair right now. Do not despair. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if it's next decade. I don't know if my, I might have great-grandchildren before he comes. I don't know. I don't know. But I can promise you, even though there are, as Second Peter says, there are scoffers who will say, where is the promise of his coming? I know that we will, there will, some of us will start to doubt, is Jesus really ever going to come back? If he's going to come back, now is his chance. That's the way we start thinking. I want you to know that he is going to come back and he will fix everything. Don't despair. He has not forgotten you. I know that sometimes in the middle of your mess, you may say, God, have you forgotten me? We, we preached about this on Sunday, Sunday morning. And you feel that way. Lord, have you forgotten me? It feels like you're not even with me right now. Where are you on this? But I want you to know on the authority of God's word, he has not forgotten you. Don't despair. He's not left you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Again, I know there are times of spiritual dryness in our lives. And we think, well, the Lord's nowhere near us in 100 miles. And a lot of times we can feel that way, but I can promise you that God is never going to leave you. Don't despair because he's in the boat with you. I'm often reminded of Jesus when he is on the, on the water, on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples. And there's a couple of incidences in the, in the Gospels of, of these storms that come up. 
and these storms come up and Jesus is in the boat there with them and they're all upset. They're all tore out of the frame, as I probably would be too, by the way. Uh, they're all upset. Oh my goodness, is this thing's gonna, are we gonna die, Jesus? You're, gonna, you're just gonna let us die out here. But every time they come to him and they say, Jesus, what's going on? He's in the boat with them. Don't miss that. He's always in the boat with them and he ultimately does calm the storm, but he is in that boat with them. He has never left them. He is with them. In that one instant where he is not with them, he's, he's, back, he's back on the other on the other coast. You know what he does? He comes to them. He comes to them. So what I want you to see is do not despair because the Lord's in the boat with you. As you're sitting there, I feel like you're about to sink and go under. I promise you, if you're in Jesus Christ, if he is your Savior, he is right there with you. You can hold on to him all the way through it. As Isaiah says, it's one of my favorite images in the Bible. He says, God is saying to, to, to Israel, I will hold your right hand. I love that picture. He is going to hold your hand through the whole circumstance that you're dealing with. You see, faith in God's timing is, ought to be like his timing. Think about this. Your faith in God's timing needs to be like God's timing, not swayed by circumstances, not swayed by the naysayers. It's rock solid. I know that my God is going to do what he said he would do. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know he's going to do what he said he's going to do. See, the problem isn't that God can't be trusted. He's proven that he can be. He's done that time and again. In fact, if we had the time to share testimonies and we were all here together, and hopefully when we all do, we'll get the chance to do that, share testimonies. But if we had shared testimonies, I can guarantee you we would spend hour upon hour hearing of people saying, here's what God did for me at this moment and that moment and that moment. And some of you right now that are in your, you're at that weakest moment, you're in that moment of despair, you need some kind of encouragement. I want you to know that you even, won't you even remind yourself, you even could say, God had done this for me back then, back then. I want you to know that the same God that did it then can do it again and will do it again. He promised that he would always be with us and never leave us. See, the problem isn't that he can't be trusted. The problem is we don't necessarily trust him with everything in our lives. Now, one of the things that in that part of the answer here is in verse 3. Um, I skipped over verse 3. Let me read that. This is just the same point I was making. But he says, the vision is yet for an appointed time. So it's in the future, he says. But at the end of it, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It shall not tarry. That was the point I was just telling you about. But let me get to verse 4 where he says, but his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him but the just shall live by faith. God actually points to kind of the key in all of this, and it's really faith, the idea of having faith in him. He points to faith as the answer. He compares two people here. If you look back to verse 4, you've got the one who has his soul, which is lifted up, and then the just who's living by faith. You've got these two people. The soul that's lifted up is that one who's pride, pride, full of pride, is proud who's depending on himself he's relying on himself i i'm i'm able to do this i can do i can do for myself i can take care of my things i can do this and, and we're all guilty of this and if you say you're not i promise you you are we're all guilty of this sort of prideful feeling i know i do i i'm that's one of my downfalls a lot of times where i feel like if i could just do it myself and everybody get out of my way i can handle it 
And then, of course, I fall flat on my face because I need somebody to help me. Uh, but that's, that's what we need to operate is we need to be looking to other people. But, but the point is our, 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 our souls get lifted up as if we've got the answer. So the question then becomes, do you rely, who are you relying on? Are you relying on yourself or as the just man, the righteous man, are you living by his faith? Are you living by faith? I think sometimes we can give an occasional nod to God. This is what religious people are really good at doing. And y'all are gen generally the folks watching me now are probably religious people. That's how we are. I'm a religious person. We tend to give nods to God. Yep, that's God. That's my God. I trust him. But there's a difference between occasionally nodding to him and occasionally maybe even praying to him. But actually, the difference between that and actually getting up on a daily basis and saying, today, my day is reliant on you, God. Whatever happens is relying on you. I think we believe that God's promises are true. This is easy for us to do. I believe that it's true. I, I think if I were to ask every person that's watching, say, do you believe that God's promises are true? I think you would tell me, absolutely. And you would mean it. I don't think you'd be lying to me. I think you'd actually mean it. Yes, I believe that. But here's the test. Does your belief in his promise change the way that you live? This afternoon, me and Eli spent some time uh, cleaning out my gutters. I live in a big two-story, sort of big sort of two-story house. It's pretty tall. Those gutters are pretty tall up there. And uh, somebody brought that by to let me borrow this big tall ladder, and I was appreciative of that. And I know, I, I believe that that ladder would hold me up. I did. I believed it. it was solid, sturdy. It said it was supposed to hold up to 350 pounds, I think is what it was. supposed to be that kind of sturdy. I, yeah, I believe that. But would you think that, that, that I could sit there and believe that all day long, but until I actually prop that thing up against the house, instead of just looking up there and saying, yeah, Eli, you get up there. How much is that believing? How much is that believing? I did that a few times, by the way. I did that a couple times. But the real test of my faith of that ladder and my ability to use that ladder for its purpose was when I go rung over rung and just climb up on that thing. That's when I'm actually putting faith in that. That's the distinction between, yeah, I believe the promise. Yeah, you go on and do it. I believe the promise from back here. I believe the promise for a day that I don't, another day because I don't need it right now. That's easy to do. That's easy. We can all do that. It's a different story when actually we say, I believe the promise so much that I'm actually going to act and live in a different way as a result of that. You see, faith, as God is talking about here, go back and see what he says, the just shall live by his faith. Faith is not just a religious act. Real faith changes how you act. You see, are you trusting in Jesus alone for your eternal hope that's what we call being saved knowing that you have an eternal home in heaven because of what jesus did now do you believe that yeah that's good that's wonderful but are you truly trusting in him is that the only hope you're having or are you hedging your bets a lot of like a lot of religious people do and i'm gonna do a good thing here i'm gonna be a good person i'm gonna try this and try that but yeah i i believe jesus died for me and i can't get down to the heart matter of this because you I have to admit, y'all know what I'm talking about, but trying to articulate it is very difficult. What I'm trying to get you to see is you've got to go a little step further than just simply saying, yep, I learned that in Sunday school, and I think I believe that. 
You've got to get to that point where you're fully trusting in his grace this hour. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or hell? And if the answer to that question is, I'm not sure, the answer, you better, you better get that thing sure. And you know the way you can do that is truly put your faith in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him, then that is living by your faith. That's acting different, being different. Think about another one here. Your sin, does it bother you? Why does it bother you? you know, I think most of us, if mama raised you right, most of us, our sin bothers us to some extent. But the question really comes down to why does it ruin uh, Why does it uh, 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 bother you? I think sometimes it bothers us because we know it'll ruin our reputation. People talk about us. We get caught doing this, that, or the other thing. And that's, that's, a, that's a pretty common motivation for why we don't do some things, because people might talk about us. But see, if you actually have faith in Jesus that he died for your sins, if there's actual faith in God, you know what that sin will do to you? It'll grieve you not because of what your reputation risks. It'll grieve you because it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. You see, that's the distinction here is where are you putting your trust? Why are you making the decisions you make about what kind of music you listen to, what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of career you pursue, about how you use your money? Why are you doing that? Because that's what you want? Because that's what you think other people expect of you? Or are you doing that because you're truly trying to please God? That's where real faith kind of hits, the, the rubber hits the road with real faith. Why are you doing what you do? And to many of us, we can say, yep, I believe in God, but when we act our lives out, the choices we make, the decisions we make, the places we go, the things we do, we do them not because of faith. We do them because it feels right. It looks right. It, <laughs> this is what John, 1 John says, it's the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the, the, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what he's talking about. That's sin, by the way. That's sin. That's why we make those decisions. But faith is not just believing God. Yes, believing. But there's a distinction where you need to act like you believe he's real. Act that way. If you really believe God was real, would you say the things you say? Would you do the things you do? Would you go the places you go? Would you talk the way you talk? And you say, well, of course I do. Well, I, again, don't convince me. Convince the Lord of that. Do you actually have faith in him? And if you do, it will absolutely change the way you live. See, the problem is not, that, not even that we don't believe God. I don't think that's really the problem. Because, again, I'd ask you, you would tell me, and honestly, I think your answer is, I do believe. The problem is we act like he's not real. The problem is the way we live our lives we never act on the faith. That's why he says there, it's the just shall live by his faith. His faith will make his life different. Can you identify with Habakkuk? Or do you, do you, like I do, just sort of feel frustrated by what is not or what is or what is not going on around you? Do you just not know what to do about it? I know I don't. And I wish I could give you the next answer, the next move. I really do. I wish I could. Sometimes I feel like that I'm supposed to have the answer to it. I don't. But I'm right there with you, in fact. I'm stuck. I'm scared. I'm confused. Just like Brother Habakkuk here. But I think we can follow his lead. 
I think he's given us a good direction, a good path to follow. Let's listen for God's word and God's word alone. Talking to one of our members the other day, and she was saying that she just doesn't watch the news anymore, and she's better off. Just turn that off. Quit getting all those other things in your mind. Just turn them off. Spend a little more time. You, you, for those of you that are stuck at home, you're not able to go to work or other things, open your Bible a little bit more. We could all stand to do that. Just listen to the Lord. Saturate your life with his word. You can't listen to him if you never hear him. If you've never got him turned on, if you've never opened the book, you're never going to hear from God. You better do that. You're going to have to sit down and listen to God's word. We need to wait on his time and just calm down. And I'm saying that to y'all, but I'm saying that to Matthew Tilly. We just need to calm down real quick because it's not going to happen any, for, any faster than God wants it to happen. We need to trust God above all else. Ask for God for a little more faith, a little more endurance to get through this. And we need to depend on his promises. We need to live like he actually said the stuff in this book and that we believe that he's the God that does. He's the promise-keeping God. If you believe that, act like it. Act like it. And again, I want to make sure you all know I'm raising my voice at me to act like I believe this book that I preach to y'all on a, on a weekly basis. We need to act like it. Not just a Christian by name, a religious person, but a Christian who acts like a Christ follower, who is owned and operated by God. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Listen to the Lord, wait on the Lord, depend on the Lord. I really do think it's as simple as that. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilly, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.